Hello, welcome to God Day. I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today I just want to talk about the love of God and what the Bible has to say about that. You know, the Bible actually says that love is the measure of who we are. Uh, let's have a look at the, the famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, verse 2, that though I have the gift of prophecy, I understand all mysteries, which means the gift of wisdom, and all knowledge, supernatural knowledge, though I have all faith, so I could move mountains. You know, I think this is a really impressive person, you know, who's all these gifts. But then he says, but have not love, I am nothing. I am a zero in God's sight. And that tells us that love is the measure of the man, as it were. If I have not love, I am nothing. If I have not love, it says, it profits me nothing. And then it says in verse 8, love never fails. And now abides faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is, of course, love. Verse 13. So what is love? Let's ask that question first of all. Some might say, well, it's a feeling. You know, I love chocolate. I, you know, uh, some would say, no, it's more than a feeling. It's a decision. Real love is, is a commitment. It's, it's a decision. It, it's, uh, it's thoughtfulness. But none of these actually go to the heart of what love is because a feeling, a decision, a, a kind of mental attitude, all of these things are things in the soul, in, in the soul of man. These are, if you like, components or manifestations of love, perhaps, but not the essence of love. The essence of love is the presence of God in us, you see. And what, for example, to look at the other side of it, what is hell? One way of describing hell is a total absence of the presence of God, the absence of love. And people who've been to hell describe it as being totally empty on the inside because there is no presence of God, there is no love. So you might think, well, you're going to take that uh, same love, you know, wherever you go into hell. No, because whatever love that you have in your life right now is actually from the grace of God, because God gives common grace to all. He says he sends his sunshine and his rain on, on all people. That's called common grace. But when you reach the end of your life, having rejected God, you are then cut off from even that grace that you've experienced. You will lose that. And without the presence of God, there cannot be any love because God is love. He is the source of all love. And so love in its essence is spiritual. God is spirit. God is love. And if you let the love of God fill you, it will make, give you that feeling of love. It will give you that mental attitude, that loving attitude and so forth. But the essence, the source of love is God himself. It's the presence of God. So we cannot actually generate true love from our own soul. Um, it's only as we yield to God's love in us, that we can experience that true love. Praise God. God is spirit and God is love. That's the essence of God. So that is more real than any uh, visible uh, manifestation. And we have the choice, therefore, to either to surrender and receive the love of God and let it flow through us, or to resist the love of God 
and, uh, and so on. So the Bible says in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so on, goodness, faithfulness. In other words, it's something that only the Spirit of God can produce that genuine article called love. And a classic verse on this is 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 uh, and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. In other words, true love comes from God. God is the source of love. And therefore, love is a spiritual dynamic, a spiritual reality that comes from God. Love is of God. And, and in other words, if, if you're a child of God, you have access to that love and therefore you can walk in love. Love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So if you're, if you're actually moving in love, it's because first of all, you're born of God and his love nature is born in you. And also, you know God, which means you are in fellowship with God. You are connecting with God. And man, the reality of love can, can actually flow in your life. He who does not love does not know God. You see, what he's saying, for God is love. So you're, the person who is not uh, loving is not in fellowship with God is not knowing God, uh, because God is love. God is the source of love. And so if we want to have the love of God in our life, we must recognize the source. We cannot manufacture it ourselves. We can only receive God's love into our hearts. And it says in Romans 5.5 5, that the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And what he's doing right now, moment by moment, he is pouring the love of God into your heart. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And the more that you yield your heart, surrender your heart to him, the more of that love you can actually lay hold of. And then that love will form the right attitudes and the right feelings and the right dispositions and, and empower the right actions. 1 John 4.16 says, We have known and we have believed the love that God has for us. So it begins by believing in God's love for, for us. God is the source of love. We first of all have to believe that he loves us. And he proved it by dying on the cross. He loved us by taking our sins on the cross and, and giving us that salvation. And if we, we must believe in the love of God for us, and then we can start to move in love. It says, God is love. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So as we trust in the love of God, we abide in God and God abides in us. In other words, God's love flows into our hearts. And um, the great uh, prayer, really, for this, that we should pray, really, is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Paul prays this for, for us, but we should pray it for ourselves and for others. He says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
from whom all the family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you. So we're in the family of God, praise God, which means we are loved, we are beloved by God. We are his children. And he says, but we need to have a revelation of that love. And it says, the prayer is that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now, what is his glory? His glory is the outshining of his character, of his nature. You could say the glory is the outshining of his love. It's the manifestation of his love, of his grace. And so we are to pray that God would grant us according to the riches of his glory, the riches of his love, that we would be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That's in our heart. So the Holy Spirit is in our spirit, but he wants to strengthen us with his might, with his love, uh, to strengthen us to live as we ought to live loving God and loving our neighbor, but we need, we can't do it in our own strength. We need his love to strength, to be strengthened with that power of love in our hearts. And he does it through his spirit in our inner man. So Christianity is not keeping a set of rules. It's not just imitating, doing rituals and imitating <coughs> the kind of form of godliness, the essence of it is the spirit of God within us, the spirit of love within us, empowering us, strengthening our heart with might, filling our heart so that we can express the love of Christ in our life. And then he clarifies that even more. He says in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. See, Christ, the spirit of Christ lives in our spirits. Christ is in us if we're born again, but he wants to dwell in our hearts. See, the heart is part of your soul. It's in the deepest part of your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. And, and it's your heart connects with the spirit. And God wants to pour his love into your heart. And then from your heart to the rest of your life. You see, your heart, it's like your, the physical heart in your body. It's a pump, isn't it? And, the, and what it does is it, it pumps the blood around the body and, and it receives. One of the things the heart does, it pumps, so it receives the oxygenated air from the lungs. The, the, the oxygenated blood flows from the lungs into the heart and then it pumps it around the body. And in the same way, your heart receives the oxygenated, that the spirit-filled life through the blood of Jesus. It receives that life into the heart and then from the heart it pumps, pumps that life to the rest of your body, pumps that love to your whole life, praise God. And so it begins by receiving the love of Christ for ourselves and then we overflow from there. So Christ may dwell in your hearts, it says, through faith. How does Christ, the Spirit of Christ, live in our hearts? It's through faith. We put our trust in the love of God. Our faith must be rooted and grounded in the love of God. And as we are able by faith to receive his love into our heart, we abide in love and his love abides in us, you see. 
And then he says that you being rooted and grounded in love, Christ's love for us. And the, he says that this is the basis for our whole Christian life, that we would be rooted, our faith roots will be in his love for us. And we are grounded. That means our life is built on the foundation of Christ's love for us. Praise God. First of all, his love that he demonstrated by dying on the cross for us and the love that he now pours out into our hearts through his Holy Spirit. That is the roots and that's the foundation for our life. So he says that you being rooted, this is his prayer, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and depth and sorry, width and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's talk about that. What's he talking about? That we might know the love of Christ. And, but he says we need to know the width, the four dimensions of the love of Christ. Number one, what is the width of his love? Well, that is talking about the fact his love is for everybody. You see, God loves everyone. Jesus died for every human being that's ever lived. That's how wide his love is. It takes in the whole world. Even people you don't like particularly, people of all shapes and sizes. God loves everyone, including you. That's the width of his love. Praise God. And secondly, he talks about the length of his love. What that means is, God's, thank God, God's love never runs out. In fact, his love lasts forever. That's the length of his love. <clears throat> in fact, there's a wonderful verse that says, God says in Jeremiah 31 verse 3, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And actually he's talking about in the past. God loved us from before the foundation of the world. He says that I chose you in Christ from before the foundation of the world. It says that he foreknew us, he predestined us to glory from eternity past. He, as it were, before we were even created, uh, God knew us and he chose us to exist and he set his love upon us, hallelujah, and he destined us for glory. And thank God, uh, and we know that because we exist and we have given our hearts to God. We know that that is not of our making, that he has, he has done it. Praise God. And <clears throat> he has loved us with an everlasting love. And it goes on, therefore, he says, I have called you to myself. I've wooed you to myself. I've brought you to myself. And, and so that when God brought you to salvation, that was just the manifestation in time of his everlasting love for you. And the Bible says his mercies endure forever. His, his love for you will endure forever. Aren't you glad that after a, a hundred thousand years in heaven, he won't suddenly say, oh, I, I, I'm fed up with this lot. Let's make someone else. No, 
He will love you forever and ever and ever. That's the length of his love. You need to realize how wide his love is, how long his love, from everlasting to everlasting. That's why he gives you eternal life, because he wants to love on you forever and ever. Praise God. And then he talks about the depth. We need a revelation of the depth of his love. And really that can only mean how the depth, what he was willing to suffer for you. He was willing to go down into the depths, as it were. In his suffering for you, he took the judgment of God on, him, on himself. He took the curse of God on himself. He suffered the equivalent of hell for you. And, and it's, we can't even imagine how terrible that was. He was willing to suffer a horrendous suffering for you, not just physically, but even more in his soul, in his, in his being. He suffered that horrendous separation from God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's the depth of his love. The depth of his love is measured by how deep he is willing to suffer, how much he's willing to suffer for you. And that's the ultimate proof of how much he loves you, is what he was willing to sacrifice and suffer for you. That's the depth of his love. And then finally, it talks about the height of his love. The height of his love is described in the scriptures that talk about the fact that he didn't just save you from hell. He actually has exalted you with Christ far above all principalities and powers. He's enthroned you with Christ. He's made you to sit together with Christ and he plans to exalt you as his, as his exalted bride for all eternity. His, his plan for you is to raise you above the angels, to give you an eternal glory. He's, that is the height of his love. He wants you to fulfill the fullness of for, for what he's created you for. And he is going to glorify you and exalt you to glory. That's the height of his love. Thank God for the width of his love, for the length of his love that will never give up on us, and for the, um, the depth of his love, what he sacrificed for you, and for the height of his love in exalting you. Uh, and we're, we, we are yet to see the full exaltation, of course. And he says, and to know, verse 19, and to know the love of Christ. What that means is, the prayer is that we would experience his love. We'd have a revelation of his love and, and that we would know that love, that that love is a real spiritual reality that would, we would experience and know by direct experience in our heart, filling our heart and motivating our whole life. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. What that means is, this love, uh, in Philippians 4, it talks about the peace of God that passes understanding. What that means is this love is not on a soulish level. It's not on a mental level. It's a, something that's deeper than, than knowledge and understanding. It's something that comes from the spirit realm. And therefore, it's only accessed by faith. And he says we can know the love of Christ through faith. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The love of Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And therefore, this love is, is on a deeper level than your th natural thinking processes and your soulishness. It comes from the Spirit of God. 
And it says, when you know the love of Christ, what happens is that you are then filled with all the fullness of God. God's love fills your soul and you, and you, you become full with the fullness of God when you surrender to his love. And this is what an amazing vision this is, but this is our sanctification. This is how God transforms us from glory to glory. It's a transformation of love. It's his love. Spiritual growth, really, is the growth of his love in our soul. We have his love in our spirits, but it's how much that love fills our souls and changes us. And he goes on with this wonderful conclusion in verse 20 and 21. He says, now to him, God, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Uh, now, our asking and thinking is important. Notice, God is limited by that because God will not violate our free will. So the, th it's, the thinking is important. That's why you need a revelation of his love. See, God isn't going to put something on you without revealing it to you first. You, he reveals it to your faith. And then you embrace that revelation. And now you're in position to, to receive that love. So as he shows more of himself to you, and you see the Lord more and more. See, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about this process. It says, when a man turns to the Lord, when you look to the Lord, the veil is removed and you behold the Lord. As in a mirror, through the word of God, you behold the Lord and his glory. And that glory as you get a revelation of that, you receive that glory into your heart and you are changed from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. So as you pray for a revelation, you begin to get, God gives you that revelation of his love, which then gives you the ability to receive that love into your heart, you see. And so he says, he, you, your thinking is important. Your asking is important. In other words, as you get a revelation of that love, then you actually pray and you believe you receive Christ's love into your heart. And he says, however much you have a revelation of God's love, however much you ask God to fill you with his love, you're only scratching the surface because he's able to do far above all you can ask or think. So however big you think your thinking and your asking is concerning God's love, you know, it's, God is infinite in his love. God loves you with the totality of his being. He loves you with an infinite love. I praise God. And therefore, however much of your heart can expand to receive his love through your thinking and through your asking, that is nothing compared to the ocean of love that God wants to actually impart to you. And I believe throughout eternity, our heart will be growing and expanding as we comprehend the length, the breadth, the height, uh, you know, the depth of his love, the revelation will increase. And as that revelation increases, our heart will expand and we'll be able to receive more of his love. But even when our hearts even expanded greater, it will be nothing compared to the hugeness of his love. And so through all eternity, we will be discovering greater and greater revelations and manifestations of his love for us. So that's why he says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And so whatever level you've received, God has far much more for you. You're, you're not even, you know, 
you're only beginning in that area. There is no limits to you receiving the infinite love of God. And he says, how, how does this work? He says, according to the power that works in us, according to the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. So what this is saying is our purpose as the church and as individuals in the church is to glorify God. How do we, glor how do we glorify God? We glorify God by receiving his love and shining his love to the world. By receiving his love and giving him that love and sh showing that love, praise God, then that is then to the glory. So he wants to give us as much love as we're able to receive. He wants to expand. As we pray, he'll give us a greater revelation, expand our thinking and our receiving, and then he can pour more of his love into us and shine through us. And that's why it says, to him be the glory. It's all for his glory. So this is a prayer you can know God's gonna hear and answer. Pray this prayer that God will strengthen you with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ and the love of Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, that you might be rooted and grounded in his love, that you might know the fullness of the love of Christ, which comes from the spirit realm, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. God is able to answer this prayer and much more according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church. That's what we want. We want him to be glorified through us, laying hold of his love and shining his love. He says, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. This is one of possibly the greatest prayer that the apostle Paul prayed. And we should really make it our prayer. As we enter into that prayer, we can enter into a process of God filling us and expanding our heart to receive more of his love. I love what it says that in Psalm 119.32, I will run in the course of your commandments. See, when we receive the love of God, we then have to obey that love. We have to walk in that love. And as we walk in that love, he says, I will run in the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart. You see, as you then walk in love, God that love takes possession of your heart and your heart becomes expanded. And now you can receive more of his love. So let's go from glory to glory and let's receive the love of God and give it away to his glory. Amen. God bless you.